Welcome back to the Dewhawk Dozen podcast. My name is Neil Bingham. And I'm Rachel Mosier. And this is our monthly podcast dedicated to our graduates of the last decade. 12 months, 12 great Dewhawks, countless stories to tell. Today's guest is 2015 grad Nick Coleman. Let's do this. Last month, we had a chance to talk with Esmungai, and we are really excited to have Nick as our third guest on this podcast. To be recognized as one of our Duhok Dozen recipients, you have to be nominated. Nick, your nominator believed you truly live out the Lord's dispositions in your line of work, and especially as an ethical decision maker. And our Young Alumni Advisory Board has agreed with them. How you took what you loved during college and continued making differences for children across the U.S. as you started your career is truly admirable, and your ability to keep Children's Miracle Network moving forward is outstanding. So we could go on and on about you, but let's have you give the listeners a little idea of what you've been up to since graduating from Loris. Uh, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes, they had a baby and they named it Surrey. And then Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, they had a baby and they named it Shiloh. And both babies are amazing. I got my off. I had to get my office quote out of the way right away. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't hundred percent sure where you're going with that one. (laughs) I was like, oh no, that's a, that's a (laughs) a reference from the greatest show ever, the office. Hopefully any listener would have gotten that if it's even aired, but uh, no, honestly, um, been really good besides seeing the Cubs win a championship and see the team collapse uh I I moved to Salt Lake City for 10 weeks right after I graduated I loved it it's such a cool city and state um I then so after my short stint there moved to Minnesota um where I lived in both Rochester and the Twin Cities and I'm actually now back in Des Moines where I grew up uh because once the pandemic hit um life slowed down I wasn't traveling as much for work anymore so I bought a house I met a amazing woman from work and married her last summer and uh two dogs now so life has been good congrats yeah (laughs) thank you um and through all that you know you've been working with the children's miracle network now for almost six years which is an incredible feat um a lot of people you know young people especially kind of have six month stints or one year stints where they jump from job to job um what has kept you working for the same company this long uh yeah well good question um Sure, there's a, a lot of reasons for it, um, but I suppose some of the things that come to mind immediately are the, the culture of CMN hospitals. Uh, we, they, we've established these really great norms that all of us are expected to and want to follow. Things like assume the best out of each other, embrace your talent and experiences, respect and empower each other, explore audacious solutions. And so we have all these cultural norms that um, that I think have, have really been ingrained within each of us and allow us to, to want to work hard for the organization and have fun together while we do it. Also, the mission is great. Um, when I first tell people where I work, I often get the, oh, that's so nice you do that. But to be honest, for a long time, I didn't really like hearing that because it kind of felt like it was like, and I know no one meant it that way, but like it was almost even a little bit demeaning, like, oh, it's so nice that, uh, that you volunteer for your life, for your career. Uh, but I've really grown into it because that's honestly one of the main reasons I love my job. And I'm not certainly interacting with sick and injured kids every day or even every month. And I'm definitely not out saving lives or anything. But I do love the fact that my job can help increase money. Uh, it, it, well, we raise money to help increase the chance for kids and family that are sick and injured to have good experiences and to get back to being healthy. 
Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, even dating back to your Loris days when you were super involved in dance marathon, I always remember your, what's your why talks during any of the, one of the team meetings or what uh, stuff like that. And just seeing your drive and your motivation for that mission driven work is pretty cool to see. And I think it's paid off. I mean, you know, over time, I've just looking at your LinkedIn promotion after promotion within children's miracle network. What's some good advice uh, that your professional mentors gave you along the way that helped you progress so much so quickly in the workforce? Uh, well, I have to shout out one of my the most important mentors in my life, Kim Walsh and the, the student life office at Loris is amazing. Kim taught me a lot, a little bit about everything I'd say, but the biggest takeaway I had from her is, is passion and how to successfully center your life around those things that are most important to you, leverage your life in a way that you can focus on what's really important. And, and also, I mean, just even how to identify what's important to you, because that's not always easy. And through my Loris experience, specifically with Dance Marathon, I found something that became a huge passion of mine, and I've been able to leverage it into a career so far that's been a great one for me. But I, I learned plenty of other things along the way. I'd say one of the other things that sticks out to me is the importance of relationships. Um, I had a boss that would spend the first 10 minutes of our 30-minute one-on-ones each week just catching up on personal stuff, and she did that intentionally. And for me, getting to know her in that capacity, it made me want to work harder for her, trust her, respect her. And I think it ultimately led to more productive work. So your experience with Loris College Dance Marathon and working with Kim Walsh, like you mentioned, um, she kind of instilled in us and uh, everyone that was involved with Dance Marathon is a good work ethic. And I think a lot of our professors here at Loris did the same. So once you were up in Minnesota, you pulled a um, part-time job at Top Golf. Um, how did you um, keep the positive attitude after a long day in the office? And then where did you find the energy to dri um, drive to provide a great experience to guests at, at a second job? Well, yeah, that was such a fun job, honestly. And it was a side job, but that job almost gave me energy, if anything. I, I loved going into Top Golf every day to work. If you've been there, anyone listening that uh, just as a guest, you probably experienced how kind of the fun environment and energy that it brings. And it really is the same thing working there. And so I never felt like it was it was sapping energy or anything by, by any means. But it, yeah, I understand just having a second job. Um, you know, you have to prioritize the things that were important. And after a couple of years out of, out of Loris and working for a nonprofit, which I love, it also means you don't make the most amount of money ever. And I had financial goals of wanting to buy a house and ultimately getting married and those kind of big life decisions at some point. And so I knew um, for me, it was really just a personal decision of having those financial goals and, and trying to find a way to to get to them in a in, in the most efficient and, and way that I enjoyed the, the the best. And I think yeah. I found it with Top Golf. It was only a year, but it was a great experience. Yeah. I have to ask while you were there, did you get a lot of free rounds or did you have to pay every time you went? <laughs> oh, all the time. Yeah. So actually my roommate when I was at Loris for three years was Taylor Keeney and we lived together for two years in Minnesota. And it one and it overlapped with when I worked at Top Golf, and so we only live like ten minutes away. So almost any night I wasn't working, we'd go to Top Golf and just play for free. And you also got free food, and so it, we'd go eat dinner, play like play like two hours of golf, and it was great. Duhawks supporting Duhawks at its finest, really. Exactly, that really is. <laughs> free golf for food. Can't Wait of the year. <laughs> yeah. So in addition to, uh, you know, top golf, you have a lot of wide ranges of experience. Uh, you did recreational aquatics internship, uh, specializing in historic, um, in uh, historic rehabilitation of old buildings. You know, it seems like you have a lot of things under your belt at this point. What's been one of the most random but rewarding projects you've been a part of outside of working with the Children's Miracle Network? 
Yeah, I feel like I bet a lot of people at Loris, I don't know why, just kind of the culture of the institution probably had parents that made them start working young and having some of those bizarre jobs. So I'm sure I'm not alone there. But yeah, yeah, you listed a couple of them. Um, I also worked at like an Apple stand at the Iowa State Fair. That one's probably like the most fun one I've had. I love work at the State <laughs> Fair. But in terms of most rewarding, uh, you did mention that historic rehabilitation. I, it was an internship I had in Dubuque. I was actually interning for Gronin Properties and Restoration. And the role I had with that internship is one that I am super proud of. I had such a small role, I wanna emphasize that in the actual project, but it was when the St. Mary's Church was decommissioned and a group of civic leaders in the community formed a committee to save that space instead of it being bulldozed and turn it into a community center. And so I got to do some clerical work for that committee and again, didn't do much for it, but just kind of getting to see these influential people in the committee in action and doing something that was important and providing a service to the community really influenced my outlook on how to get involved in your neighborhood and allows me to want to be more involved in my neighborhood. And so that was a really rewarding one for me. That's awesome. Have you been back and seen the whole construction project now that it's done? No, no, I haven't. Um, just from the outside, I suppose, but I haven't gotten a tour inside or anything. And I definitely need to make that a priority. And that's Steeple Square here in Dubuque. Yeah, it's Steeple right? Square now. Exactly. Yep. It, it's impressive. And I've been to many events there and they just have a um, child care center and everything. It's a huge community piece. So great job with your work on that. Oh, well, almost nothing for me, but yeah, thank you. Shout out so, to the committee that did it all. <laughs> um, you can tell that you have a huge um pull for your community. Uh, I know growing up your Beaverdale, you've always, I remember you guys always bringing that up in college and then you grew up in Iowa, but then you moved to Salt Lake city, like you said, and lived in Minnesota. And then um, now you're back in Des Moines. Um, has any of that travel or relocating given you a newfound appreciation for the Midwest or Iowa in general? Oh yeah. For sure. And I'm so glad Beaverdale was able to make it into this podcast because it is so great. We me, my brother, I, we might even get into this. My brother went to Laura's too. So I'm sure we overhyped Beaverdale all the time. It's such a normal neighborhood, but we just loved it. Um, and he, he, my brother actually moved back in, into Beaverdale technically. Yeah, to answer your question, I love the Midwest. Um, I do feel fortunate to have had the chance to travel quite a bit for my job. Um, but I also feel fortunate that very little that travel's been in Los Angeles. I, I went there for the first time a few months ago and I was in traffic for an hour and a half and went 19 miles all on the interstate. It wasn't even like side street. So I'm fortunate that I don't have to do much of that. But um, all joking aside, no, I love the Midwest. It's fun to get to experience new cities. If I were to leave the Midwest for any other city in the US, it'd probably be for Portland, Oregon. But no, I'm so happy in Des Moines and I'm, I'm so happy in Iowa and I've had great experiences in, in Minnesota and other places too. It's awesome. I mean, just to see yourself, uh, all those travels and starting off as a dancer so many years ago, all the way to a director now for the Children's Miracle Network itself, it really does seem like there's been a ton of growth there. Um, what do you think has been one of the biggest areas that you've seen yourself grow and develop from dancer to director over the past, you know, six, seven, eight years now that you're settling down again, you know, you're married, you got two dogs. <laughs> there's been a lot of changes uh, since you graduated. Yeah, so true. Uh, well, in terms of like my, my professional experience and I think characteristics and growth opportunities, maybe the better way to explain it would be um, just being more honest and candid in the professional setting. It's certainly not anything I've mastered, but I'm working on it. I was actually, I was at an event in Des Moines recently where 
we were talking about what it means to be Iowa nice. And I think I, and at least in, with the definition that this group left with, I think I am nice, Iowa nice. And I don't necessarily mean that in a good way. There are good components. It's important to be like a good person, I suppose. But I think I'm too far at the end of that spectrum. Like a lot of people in Iowa probably might be. And I'm learning that I need to be more, to be able to be respectfully speaking my mind and know that what I have to offer is valid and useful. Um, and so I, I think being more more candid is what I need to focus on. In fact, actually my boss and I, last year we made this a professional uh, professional growth goal for me. So her and I, we read this book called Radical Candor and we'd have a conversation every couple of chapters about what we're learning from it. And that book is all about adapting strategies in your life to be more honest in the workplace, but doing it respectfully. And I definitely recommend that book to anyone who is looking to improve on that as well. What was that book called again? Radical Candor. Just for the listeners at home or me. Yeah, it's by, it's a uh, Silicon Valley executive. She's worked at a number of different places and just has great experience and it really articulates, it articulates it all well. So it's good. Awesome. Okay. Now is a little point in our um, podcast that we like to switch things up a little bit. Um, okay. We've got a dozen questions for our Duhawk dozen. And this is where we ask our guests 12 rapid fire questions. And you give us the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? I doubt it, but let's try it. <laughs> there was only one that tripped our other two guests. So it's not too bad. Okay. Okay. Where was your last vacation? Costa Rica for my honeymoon. What was your first ever job? That would have been probably just a lawnmower, mowing lawns for neighbors. Okay. Is your bed made right now? Uh, yeah, but not because of me. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, boy. Um, oh, I don't have a great one. The first thing that comes to my mind, which is not a good karaoke song, is Dirt Road Anthem. <laughs> Just because I like to rap that song. <laughs> Country rap song. Great combo. Um, yeah. What movie or show do you quote the most? The Office. Easy. You started off strong here today. <laughs> yep. What was the last TV series that you binge watched? Uh, I'm in the middle of watching It's Always Sunny. So funny, but it is so long. It's amazing. <laughs> Are you a morning person or night owl? Uh, I'm probably growing into more of a morning person, but have traditionally been more of a night owl. Baby steps. <laughs> yeah. What is your go-to lazy dinner? Um... Wearing a pizza, probably, from Simon's. Shout out to Simon's in Des Moines. Who is one of your heroes? Uh, probably my grandpa. What age has been your favorite so far? Wow, let's say 28. I got married when I was 28. That was fun. <laughs> Purple or gold? Gold. What is your favorite spot on Loris College campus? The pub. The pub. I remember walking in there a lot when you were still a student and seeing you and Bree Burnett, um, our director of alumni here on campus. That is a favorite spot of many. Um, but tell oh, yeah. us a little bit more of why um, that was your favorite spot and how it worked into your Loris experience. 
Yeah, it's exactly what you just said. I it's for some reason, especially senior year, where myself and Bree, um, Jerry Hugelay, and, and a few other people from time to time would would spend a ton of time. We'd get our work done. Um, I felt like we were usually there till almost 10 p.m. every day. Of course, having some fun, but between us all being involved in dance marathon and some student government stuff, and just having overlap on some of our majors, uh, it was a good opportunity to to collaborate on that kind of stuff. And it was, yeah, a lot of fond memories in the pub. Awesome. And tying in, you know, with student government and with Dance Marathon, Kim Walsh, you said, is someone who was a big influence for you. What made her so influential on your Loris experience? Mm. So many things. Um, I would say, if anything, I think it was the first time I really felt valued and trusted in kind of like the professional setting, so to speak. Um, obviously dance marathon, it's a student organization, but you are in charge of a pretty, the students that, that run it are responsible for a pretty good amount of money and a lot of, a lot goes into it. And I think just having her trust and, and myself and our team getting the job done, but guiding us along the way, um, was probably the most important thing that Kim offered me and the team on dance marathon at the time. So with all of your influences here at Loris College, um, what do you feel has been your biggest takeaway or what's the biggest lesson that you learned at Loris that has helped you in your life after college? I think it's to take advantage of opportunities to get involved. Loris, I'm sure like any, unlike most college institutions, which while many do offer great opportunities to get involved, I don't, what I understand from friends in high school and others, it's just not the same. Loris does a great job at providing really good opportunities, good organizations, good sports teams, good clubs, you name it. And they do a good job at educating you on what the opportunity is to get involved, how you can learn and how you can grow from it. And for me, that's allowed me to be more comfortable when it comes to the professional setting or even just personally in life to take advantage of new opportunities, try something new, not be too scared about it and um, really just kind of enjoy life and take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So all that stuff that you're involved with and, you know, taking advantage of those opportunities, it really does seem like you're a bit of a trailblazer in your family for doing that. I mean, following you, as you mentioned earlier, not only your brother, Jesse, uh, getting involved in student government and dance marathon, now Duthon, um, but then your sister as well. This past fall, Ellie joined the Duhawk family. How does it feel uh, watching that Coleman legacy continue after graduation? It's awesome. I would have no problem if, if I have four siblings, by the way, and I am the oldest, I would have no problem if none of them followed me to Loris and I'm happy for the two that didn't have their own good experiences, but obviously they made the wrong decision, but um, <laughs> no, it, it's so fun to have two other siblings that had similar experiences. One of them is having a similar experience at Loris um, and we get to look back and talk about just different places on campus or people we knew or things that we shared programs we got involved in that's all so fun and has allowed I think me and my brother and my sister to connect on a different way um and with me my brother it's kind of just funny I have to mention this because we had such a similar experience at Loris actually we both when we got to Loris played tennis for the first semester of college and then we both quit and then we both got involved in dance marathon we were both involved in um, a lot of different similar campus activities and so we had such a I think fun time together and for us to be able to look back at such a similar college experience is really fun. 
And you know, it is really just wild how you see yourself grow from first year to senior year as you're going out as president of dance marathon, starting off a tennis player. You're not really sure of maybe even what dance marathon is just that growth. I feel like is a pretty similar shared experience for a lot of do Hawks who just to your point from what you took with you after college, just get to try so many things and just get to take a lot of different experiences in and just grow so much. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, so Neil kind of um, looked into this already, but how do you see yourself growing from your first year to being the homecoming king your senior year? You're the last reigning homecoming king of Loris College. That's a pretty yeah. big title to fill. So um, <laughs> I know. How did you see yourself grow from first year to um, your senior year? Well, I got to say, yeah, winning Mr. Loris at the time was such a surprise. I think everyone had a, a specific person in mind pegged to win that besides me. And I'm so honored I did, but I chalked that one up to being involved in Dance Marathon allowed me to to get to know a lot of some of the uh, the younger folks at Loris um, that, that other people my age didn't have the chance to. But anyways, yeah, that was um, that, that was a huge honor. And I, I really appreciate being able to, to be the last reigning uh, homecoming king. But yeah, I would say I grew a ton. I was so shy when I first started at Loris. Um, I remember even, so you mentioned I, I was uh, pretty involved in dance marathon by the end of college, but my first year I was on a committee, but even going to the event that day, I needed a friend to convince me to go with him because I was like a little bit too nervous and too scared and too shy to want to go to the actual big event where I felt like I didn't know a ton of people. And fortunately, I was convinced to go. And that opportunity allowed me, again, of course, to get uh, build this huge passion for the program and want to get more involved. And so if anything, I just I definitely grew out of my shell from the beginning. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And you were a major player in a lot of um, dancers and a lot of Duhawks um, experience, because I remember when Neil and I started as first years, you were a pretty big component of dance marathon and you helped create a community that was pretty awesome and really helped us get introduced to a lot of people. So we thank you for that. And not only just us two on this podcast here, but I mean, you have connections with so many other do Hawks that have graduated that are older than you, younger than you, your same age, et cetera. And it seems like you still do a really good job of staying connected with so many of those do Hawks from weddings, international vacations, and so much more in between. What has been one of uh, your best post-graduation do Hawk memories so far? Well, homecoming, I think is the easy answer just because it's right. I think homecoming is every single year going back. I know I mentioned already that I did have to miss last year's homecoming and uh, for my cousin's wedding. And uh, I, I certainly missed it, but that's okay. I'll definitely, I, I hope my plan is not to miss any in the future, but besides that, I do, there was one unique thing that was super fun. One of our buddies got married in Italy. Actually, he met a girl that is from Northern Italy. And so he ended up actually like the wedding was, was there. And so a group of us that were friends from Loris decided to go to the wedding and we made a whole trip out of it. So we hopped over to Dublin and Amsterdam for a week of fun before the wedding. And we got to Northern Italy. And that is one of the greatest memories of my entire life. And would not have been possible without Loris and being able to make the connections that I did and continue those relationships with, with Loris friends that I still have today. How was the food? Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. We ate way too much of it. <laughs> so, um, as you mentioned that, uh, we seem to have do across the world and the country and, um, we love celebrating everything there is about Loris college. Um, do day was just last week. Um, what, 
going back through all of the Duhok days that you've participated in, what has been a favorite Duhok day memory from your past years? Oh, I mean, every Duhok day is amazing. Um, well, and coming from a fundraising nonprofit, I just have to say, I know how important these collective days of giving are for the benefactor. And so I know it's critical and thank you to everyone that did make a donation on Duhok day and, uh, and participate in, in whatever way that you're, you're able to. But for me, I would say there is maybe a specific Duhok day that has been the best. I, they're all just, what I love about it is that it's an opportunity where I have text chains, chains with my friends from Loris and whatnot, and we're sharing funny pictures or memories. Um, like for example, I know one that we always like to look back and laugh at is for some reason during sophomore year J term, me and some of my friends, we'd spent our entire non-school time, of course, playing Euchre and listening to Akon. It was such a, a weird time of our life, but it was so fun. And just looking back at those fun memories, um, I think is what makes Stu Hawk Day really special. Yeah, there's a lot of events going on, a lot of uh, stuff for students, a lot of stuff for graduates as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really just a culmination of that, that Loris experience that really ties people together on such a, such a fun day. True. Yeah. Very true. Cool. So thanks again, Nick, uh, for being on the show with us today. We really appreciate it taking some time out of your day. Is there any, though, last advice that you have for current Dewhawks or recent graduates that are listening at home? Um, I'd say I've kind of already mentioned this, but get involved. And if you're a student at Loris, get involved in any opportunity that, that you think is interesting, whether it's attending an event or actually getting involved in some kind of committee. If you're a post-grad doing the same thing within your community. Um, and the only other thing I'd mention is just one thing that I, I try to live by that I really like is a quote that my grandpa told me when I was growing up and it's attitude, not aptitude determines altitude. And from his point of view, he would always tell me and my cousins that and tell us that no matter what's happening or what situation you're in, bringing a positive attitude for it will make for a positive experience. And so I keep that in mind throughout my life and something that I think would be helpful for everyone. It's awesome. Always got to stay positive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> stay positive. <laughs> uh, again, well, thank you very much, Nick. Uh, don't forget to mark your calendars for April 12th, when we will be introducing the next newest member of the Duhawk Dozen. You can visit alumni.loris.edu slash Dozen to learn more or nominate a Duhawk today. Thank you to the Young Alumni Advisory Board for sponsoring this podcast and for Trent Hanselman for producing. Go, Go Duhawks! Duhawks.